It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh, and I am very grateful to be talking to our next guest. It is Katie Hill, former Congresswoman, author of She Will Rise, and host of the podcast Naked Politics. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you too. No, so so we have to talk about developments in your own case because there has been some serious movement since the last time that we got to talk. You have been suing conservative outlets for publishing intimate photos without your consent. This seems like a, a pretty cut and dry, easy case to me. And yet um, they they determined the judge determined that your lawsuit didn't meet the requirements of the quote revenge port statue, and you have to pay attorneys fees. And I let's just start with revenge porn. I hate this name. I hate this title. It sounds so salacious and interesting. And what we're talking about is is just sexual harassment. It's just done over the internet instead. It's it's just assault in a different format. Um, Right. So talk a little bit about where your where your case stands right now and, and where where do you go next? Sure. Yeah, it's the, revenge porn is the most commonly used term uh, that most people are familiar with. Yeah, but it's it's really about intimate image abuse. It's uh, non-consensual pornography. Um, and in, you know, it, it comes down to sexual privacy. Right. It comes down to um, right. that every single person deserves to be able to count on the fact that that if images are taken of them without their knowledge or if they take images um, and share them with a single person, that does not mean that they are open for, you know, sharing with anybody else. And this is getting increased attention because Pornhub is now being sued for um, for actually publishing, you know, thousands of videos that, that amount to this, where the, the you know, participants in the videos were, did not consent for, for you know, their images and, and videos to be used. But um, for my lawsuit, what happened is that the judge determined that uh, they threw it out on on the basis of what's called anti-slap uh, grounds, and slap is strategic lawsuits against public participation, meaning that um, you know these these laws are are intended to stop people from filing these frivolous lawsuits that are intended to sort of chill free speech. But the judge's determination was that in in, in my case, um, you know, publishing these images was in the public interest. Uh, or that I was, you know, that that basically it's a matter of free speech that uh, that revenge porn is being published, and that's a fundamental problem that you know we we can't let that precedent stand. I think it was a a really poor ruling. It's something that we need to that we're going to have to fight both on the legislative front and on the um, you know on the continuing to follow through with with the courts. No, I mean talk about a chilling of free speech. If you're saying that an elected official means that any content related to them is automatically a matter of public interest. I mean, I can't imagine anything more intimate than intimate photos. So right. I'm assuming that saying if, if even the most intimate things, even the least public, <laughs> the least yeah. public facing part of, of like, it, that means your emails, yeah. that means your texts, that means every conversation you've ever had, that means childhood photos, that means any like that. They're basically just saying if you are an elected official, 
there is nothing that is not public interest about your life. And that seems highly problematic to me. Exactly. I mean, what it does is it stops people from running for office and it particularly stops um, women and right. members of the LGBTQ community because we are, you know, more, much more likely to be targeted by this kind of thing. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, basically what this lawsuit says is that it's okay for opposition research firms or for political opponents to go to your exes and say, do you have any damaging photographs or do you have anything like this? And they can pay for it. They can pay for it and then get they pay. But yeah. And, and so, you know, what am I saying to young women? What is this saying to young women? Um, you know, basically, if you want to run for office, if you're thinking about running for office, then you might as well just share your photos now because it's, you know, you have every risk of it coming out. And um, I think that that's a completely unacceptable precedent to be set. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to keep fighting it. It's, um, I think it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a real shame that this is where it's at. And uh, because with an anti by applying anti slap to revenge porn cases, it pretty much nullifies the laws that are in place now, um, you know, to, that are intended to protect people from, from revenge porn or from intimate image abuse. And, uh, and you know, it, it's something that, um, anti slap means that, you know, you're, you're not even able to get to a court or get to a jury to uh, weigh the evidence and determine whether, you know, whether this case was actually, actually, um, you know, fit within the statute. It throws it out before there's even that opportunity to do it. And, and it has the victim pay the attorney's fees for these corporations. So I'm, I'm at about half a million dollars that I've been ordered to pay um, you know, to, to pay to these publications. And, and I'm just going to say, I, I am because not you were the victim those, of so. abuse. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> for, forget me, right. Like you can say, all right, she made it to Congress. She had this information about her that the publications, you know, uh, needed to publish in the public interest. It, we're, we're saying like, look, you can publish whatever facts you want. You can publish information, uh, but you cannot publish the photos themselves. There has to be a level of privacy because public figures, are not defined either. A, a public figure could be a high school principal or a you know teacher or sure. Um, it could it could be anyone. It could be it could be anyone who decides to run for office at any level, even if it's a college thing. There there is no limit to uh, to who could be classified as a public as a public figure. So you're still deciding whether to appeal this decision if 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 you do appeal, is it is it on the grounds that the decision is it on the grounds that the decision was poorly made or is it on the grounds that the decision was legally made, but this legal standard is wrong? It's, you know, we're, if we're appealing, we're going to have to say that it, that the decision was wrong, right? Like that, that's, that's the part that mm -hmm. we're going to be seeking clarification from. Um, uh, you know, for example, that we, you know, we're saying that basically a revenge porn lawsuit uh, that is applying to that statute should not be subject to anti-slap um, procedures. It just, it just makes it too, uh, too broad and too difficult for um, for victims to ever be able to pursue their civil their civil rights. Um, so you know, there's the appeal point you know point of view, but there's also the legislative point of view saying that these laws are not strong enough. We're fighting right now to make it a um, a federal crime with the passage. We want VAWA, which is the Violence Against Women Act, to pass the Senate. It mm -hmm. already passed the House, um, and if so, we were able to get a provision in there that would make uh, non-consensual image abuse, uh, a federal crime. And that pretty much allows for a, a lot 
more, um, you know, deterrence and enforcement of, um, uh, you know, if this happens to anybody else in the future. And it's just going to be, it, it shows you that, you know, this is a long haul battle. It's the one that we, we don't have, have not had enough attention to, and there's been a stigma around it. You know, there's a, a lot of people who still say, oh, you shouldn't have shared those pictures in the first place. Now, I think that's completely the wrong message. But in my case, I didn't even know that the images were taken. Um, so, you know, I think right. there's a lot of education of the public that we still have to do. And um, certainly this is, whether it's in the courts or on the public, you know, front or in, in through the pursuit of legislation, then it's going to be, it's going to be an ongoing battle. So you're talking about the Shield Act. That's the that's the yeah. the piece that's being attached to the Violence Against Women Act to to stop cyber exploitation. Where what are are you lobbying your former colleagues for this? Are you yeah. having conversations with people who are currently in Congress? Yep, absolutely. And actually, um, I'm, that's what the work that I'm doing through my that is so brave. election committee. Um, and you know, I'm really proud of it. We were able to get that provision into the Violence Against Women Act. It, you know, previously it had been a standalone piece of legislation, but now, if uh, if the the House version is adopted by the Senate or close enough to it, then um, then that makes it you know it, it actually gives it a real chance of um, becoming law. Whereas you know, a single standalone piece of legislation is not likely to get through in the environment such as this. So, you know, this is the Violence Against Women Act has historically been bipartisan. It's not a piece of sure legislation has. that we'd have to, you know, think, you know, deal with the filibuster on because six, it shouldn't be that hard to get 60 votes for something like this. Um, but it's not it's not going to be prioritized uh, unless people really fight for it to be. So that's the advocacy work that we're doing right now. Um, it hasn't even been introduced in the Senate yet. The, the Violence Against Women Act hasn't even been introduced. Mm -hmm. And I get it. There's a million priorities. But women and other people who care about this sort of issue are going to have to really focus on the Senate and say, we want you to bring this up. We want this to get a vote. And we need 10 uh, GOP senators to cross over and, and um, you know, do the right thing here. I mean, the, violin, uh, the Violence Against Women Act used to be passed unanimously every year without very much fanfare. It was during my tenure as a, a political staffer, which is relatively recent, that uh, that, that started becoming even a, even a slightly controversial bill. So I, I think Republicans know that when they, when they use their obstructionist tactics around the Violence Against Women Act, there is a backlash. People don't understand why they're unwilling to do that. So it, it seems like not bringing it up is a tactic to say, we know that this piece of legislation is dangerous for us, um, but we don't want to touch it because we don't. Yeah, and how, where do you? Democrats too to. Sorry, to really keep going. Kind of put them. Oh no, I was going to say I think it's up to Democrats too to really push them, um, and you know make sure that this is something that doesn't just go by the wayside because it's not as politically. Uh, there's not this political imperative in the same way that there is for you know a big infrastructure bill, right? Like we need to make. A political right. imperative to to protect women. Every single month, 57 women are shot and killed by an abuser. You know, nearly half of, of female firearm homicide victims were killed by a current or from, former intimate partner. Um, it's so there are gun, there's an important gun provision in this. that's called closing the boyfriend loophole, um, and that's yes. piece that I think that that the uh, the Republicans are going to um, you know turn into saying that this is politicizing. You know, that, that basically Democrats are trying to put. Uh, gun legislation into this. And, and it's true, but it's that important of a piece of legislation and it should not be controversial. I mean, to say that somebody has to be married or previously married to, uh, to, 
to have, you know, the restrictions put on their gun purchases after they've been convicted of, of domestic abuse is ridiculous. So we need to change it. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that there's so much common sense around this that should be basic and obvious. And um, and, you know, we, we have to hold people accountable. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you would have a Violence Against Women Act that somehow couldn't address gun violence seems particularly right. insane in this in this moment. Yeah. I, exactly. I do want to go back to to this to the the idea of of people running and especially young people running and young queer people running. I mean, when when I when I was a kid and I was obsessed with politics, I I never thought about running because yeah. I was bisexual and I you know I I had dated girls and I'd been very public about that and there you know I was I I never spent any time in the closet. As soon as I learned what the word was, I was like, oh hey, that's me, and that was that. Um, I just assumed that 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 would preclude a career in in politics for me. And I have been kind of delighted to see that that is not the case with, you know, with like your election and and Kristen Sinema, like it it, it happens. And then this happens. This happened to you. And I'm like, oh, God, everything I thought was also right. Talk talk. Do you have conversations with people who are considering running queer or otherwise? Do, yeah, all the do they seek you out and ask advice and, and, and are you able to say, yes, it's worth it, do it, jump in after what happened, after what you went through? Yeah, I think that that's something that really surprises people, but I'm, that I say, you know, even knowing what happened and even knowing the risks, I'm, I, I don't regret having done it at all. I don't, I don't think that, you know, I would take that back regardless, even if, no, <laughs> but if you say to somebody at the beginning, like if you, if you said to me, at the time that I was deciding to run, that pictures were going to come out that showed that you had had this kind of a relationship or, or, and, and particularly if they were a, if I knew that they were going to be naked photos, that, you know, that is something that would have really made me, um, you know, uh, have to reconsider. And now when people do seek my advice, they say, you know, I'm worried about the possibility of this happening or, or whatever. I, you know, I have to say, basically, I, my hope is that even if, even if, the law itself or, or the justice system itself doesn't support, um, you know, does, doesn't support victims and it doesn't make it clear that this is not an okay political uh, tactic, then I do hope that public opinion um, has changed enough. And I think it has that if this happens to another woman, I don't think that she will ha- have to resign. I really don't. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's an important piece that can come from this. And, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to us to as voters, as a- activists, as, you know, people who are um, I- engaged in the political process to say that this isn't something that we're going to accept or tolerate um, and that we're going to rally behind people if this happens to them. Well, and there and there there certainly has been, I, I think, you know, I was I was sad to see your resignation. I was happy to see the relatively thoughtful conversation around what had happened to you and whether mm-hmm. resignation was appropriate. And I've I have been happy to see your name pop up again as we watch, you know, men of both parties evade the similar reckoning. There's not even a similar reckoning. You you were accused of a consensual relationship. Right. Matt Gates was accused of sex trafficking. Andrew Cuomo was accused of harassing his staff. Like and and that must that must be a particularly kind of incendiary frustration for you to 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 watch that go forward the way it has. Yeah, and it also in a way though, it it you know it, it reaffirms something that we've kind of known um, 
for so long, and it's that there's a double standard, right? That there, you know, our expectations of women on the political front and uh, in life in general is not the same as as it is with men. And we, you know, the more that we want to get women into office, the more that we want to seek parity and equality in representation, um, the you know harder we're going to have to fight to say that women have to be, um, you know, have to have the the have to have the permission to be humans. And um, and this isn't about right. Uh, you know, this, this this is simply something that we have to look at side by side comparisons and say, would we expect a man to resign over this? Would we expect, uh, um, you know, anything like that? And the answer is usually no. Men don't resign, and um, you know, it's it's a complicated issue um, when you know you have. Like well, it's complicated because you don't really want to conflate the two. Like, I don't really want to conflate yeah. what what, you know, your case with Matt Gates. Matt Gates is sex trafficking children. Right. Um, you had a consensual right. relationship with another adult. But at the same time, like, it's hard not to talk about them in the same breath because the outcomes were so very different. And yeah. his transgression was so much prison. more severe. Yeah. And, you know, if Matt Gates could ultimately probably run from prison and still win in the gerrymandered district that he has. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is frustrating to see men who are accused of and credibly accused of and even proven to have done these you know horrible things uh, that simply don't feel that pressure to resign and to, you know, to be held accountable. So uh, but I do think I, I again, I really think that my case has made it so that I I don't believe that if this happened to another woman that she would uh, feel the need to resign. So, um, you know, but, Do you but think that there's, that... Oh, go ahead. Is there any chance that you can be the beneficiary of the work that you have done? Like, is there any chance that you can be the woman who runs again and doesn't have to deal with this the second time around? Is that ever on the radar for you? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I don't, I don't know at what point in my life I might want to do that again, but, um, but I do feel like, I feel like there's a, there's a, I feel like coming out of this that, you know, redemption has to be possible and that there has to be a way of showing that, you know, this can't be um, a political death sentence if we want people to, you know, if, if the representation that I brought to the table was valued and continues to be valued, then yeah, there's a possibility that I, I would run again in the future. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what that looks like or, or when or where or whatever, but um, I have, I have decided that I'm not going to let this be something that stops me in the future. So, um, you know, ultimately it'll be up to the voters to decide whether whether that's uh, something that they support. But um, and and up to my own personal well being and uh, and ability to kind of say, all right, I'm going to stomach this again because um, it's a lot. It's it's a huge personal toll. It certainly, it certainly is. I, I selfishly, I hope you do it, but I, I think your advocacy matters in whatever capacity you choose to apply it. Katie Hill is the author of She Will Rise and hosts the podcast Naked Politics, so you can hear lots more from her in lots of other venues. Katie Hill, thank you so much for joining me this morning um, and, and sharing this much. It was really a, an excellent conversation. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. 